and welcome to another episode of Drew Kama Radio. I'm your co-host today, Kepfer Haru. We are very grateful to have Daishi with us today. It's an honor and a privilege to be here with you. How are you, Daishi? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to another interesting conversation. Excellent. Today, we are discussing habit energy, what it is, and why in the spiritual path we want to reduce and remove it. What is habit energy? Just jumping right in here. And how does it influence us as practitioners and also everyone in general? Habit energy at the beginning part of the path is one of the most important aspects that we are really highly critical of. We look at it, we understand it, and we try to eliminate it because habit energy are the, are the driving forces that make up the way that we think mentally, the mental aggregates, how they function, the emotional reactions, how they occur and why they occur, and then the physical actions and speech that influence the way we act from day to day. And then subsequently, since all of that happens to reflect out into the mirror of the macrocosm or the outside world, it's important that habit energy be understood as a kind of boomerang loop. It sort of echoes out into the world and comes back at us. So if we were to look at the environment we're in as being created from one seed source, the habit energy would begin that flow of seed energy out through the mind, through the emotions, through the actions, and then into the world, and then reflect back at us. So these habit seeds or this habit energy, sometimes referred to as the karmic consequence or the karmic seeds, the cause and consequence, are happening all the time. And they're generated from our societal influences and our cultural influences ever since we were in the womb. So the moment that we start gestating in the womb, we're already being influenced by the sounds of the mother and the sounds of the father and the influences of the vibrations around us and the nervous system reactions and the energies of the mother and so on and so forth. So we're being infiltrated and programmed by these energy patterns, vibrations and senses, et cetera, et cetera. And they continually form and shape the basis of all this habit energy from the moment we enter into this world. And it continues to impress upon us throughout our lives. So when we begin the path, we want to move back, back in our cognitive awareness or what we call ordinary awareness, far enough back so that we can actually watch this process happen and we can begin to become untangled from it. We want to move back so that we're not unconsciously, consistently empowering this habit energy over and over again. We're not empowering the emotional reactions and the mental fabrications and the stories and dramas that play out within us that then get reflected in the outside world. So habit energy is the key to the initial foundation for us to proceed forward. And then it leads, once we clean that plate to a certain extent, to the more advanced kinds of practices that you would find in a deeper, more advanced mystical process. Wow, that's interesting, Daishi. Particularly a hint on karma and, and how it functions, how habit energy functions through the karmic rhythms. Could you further elaborate on the different degrees or types of this habit energy? You mentioned maybe mental and emotional habit energy, and then also what we actually physically do. How are these different or how are they related and pop up? There are different levels of this influence. So they all kind of come from the same place, but they influence us in different ways. 
And we'll see that they're all kind of tied together. So the mental undulations or iterations of the mind influence the emotional undulations and they influence the physical undulations. If, for instance, in the most basic form, if somebody jumps out and scares us, the first thing we do is our hands go up typically and we shriek out and we go into a sympathetic nervous system reaction panic, right? So that would be a kind of a habit energy through the natural process of us knowing that we have to be aware of the pains that come from us walking walls or being hit by somebody or being in a physical confrontation. That happens as we grow up. If if a person wasn't necessarily ever scared, if we had them in a pristine, perfect sphere where they never got influenced by that kind of experience, then they would probably not react that way. And that habit energy wouldn't have been formed. So, you know, if you jumped out and scared them, they'd probably just look at you and say, what are you doing? You know, they didn't know that there was any inherent fear there or worry that anxiety should be coming up with an action like that. So they sort of just let that go. But you can see in that really raw example, that previous historical injuries or fears that have been generated through the stories told by family members or friends or the ideas and the way that we understood the reality around us to be intimidating and scary influences as habit energy, the way that we react when we're scared by somebody. So there's one little example. And then to go a little deeper into the mind, the defense of the self, right? The transient or illusory self that keeps being recreated, we feel that we have to stick up for it. There's some inherent egoic connection with that, that it has to be right. It needs to be better than others. It needs to have more than others. It needs to be ahead of others. And this creates a competitiveness in myself being promoted over yourself, right? I always want to be a little bit more than you. I always want to have a little bit more than you. I always want to be higher than you, better than you. And we chase the idea that the selfing nature is supremely important. It has to be held up and it has to be continued. And this is also a form of habit energy. This is also something that is instilled and programmed in us from society and culture. You have to be first. You have to win. You have to be better. You have to achieve. You have to accomplish your goals. You've got to make money. You've got to be in control. You've got to have all the knowledge and so on and so forth. As this gets programmed into us, loops are empowered by us. In other words, this habit energy sort of just comes up and we reinforce it because we give it our conscious awareness. We agree with it, in other words. So once the idea comes up that, you know, the mental fabrication says, you know, you have to be first, right? You have to be best, right? And we look at that and go, yeah, yeah, we do, we do. And unconsciously, we keep enforcing this groove. And I liken it to a piece of paper. If you fold a piece of paper over and you make a really good fold in that paper, the paper's more easily going to fold at that area rather than any other area in the paper again and again and again. And this is what happens with our habit energy is we reinforce that fold, that groove over and over again. And that dictates how we live. And we have enough of these grooves, enough of this karmic impact, these kinds of karmic loops and channels grooved into our synaptic mind that we are generating the same circumstances over and over and over again. It may appear that we're having different experiences, but really at the heart of it, it's the same grooves replaying themselves with a little bit different macrocosmic outcomes and also microcosmic internal outcomes. Like I might feel fear, but it might be a different kind of fear. I might, you know, generally be afraid of things, but it shows itself in different ways. So obviously this subject deserves, you know, 15 hours of really delving into to understand it all. And there are practices and processes to undo the folds. But in terms of this conversation, just to understand it on a basic level, it's really just looking at and observing and knowing that those folds are there, those habit energy folds are there, and then learning how do I empower myself to undo them? 
how can I rid myself of these reactionary emotions and mental undulations that create stories and fantasies and dramas and keep me into anxiety and neurotic behavior and stuff that's just not healthy for my energy. It's not healthy for my physiological body. It's not healthy for my surroundings, my people around me and so on. So in the beginning, we want to really untangle from those habit energy grooves and then inevitably wipe them all away. We want to clear the slate. We want to clean the attic and make sure that everything's cleared up there so that these consistent unconscious kinds of echoings of the habit energy don't happen any longer. And I can begin to take control of what does happen on a conscious level. And that means that I need to understand the conscious and unconscious mind clearly enough so that I can begin to put action in process through deliberate and conscious control rather than complete subserviency to an unconscious slavery that happens to those habit energy grooves. Wow, thank you, Daishi. That was a wonderful explanation. And you hit on several important examples. And you also mentioned not only what we want to do in the path, but kind of a process that we begin with, which is observing this energy, which correct me if I'm wrong, but sounds like we're given all this potential energy and the habit energy is kind of like our unconscious usage of that energy, which sounds like a huge waste of something we could be better utilizing. There's a huge amount of vitality lost in our daily life that goes to, you know, it's, it's spilled away in this neurosis. I use the word, you know, being neurotic because we're like chasing phantoms in the wind. The way that most human beings operate, and it's a shame because it really does kill us and it makes our lives terrible, is that we chase these phantom thoughts and phantom emotions that are really anchored in nothingness. Most of the stuff that we experience is mind-generated, and so you can argue that all of it is if you wanted to, but for the sake of this conversation, we'll just say that the majority of it is mind-generated. And that mind-generated habit energy is terribly destructive because it's going to use most of my life up with me unconsciously chasing and empowering it. That's a terrible way to live. That creates almost all of the suffering I experience in life. And that suffering leads to violence and hatred and anger and jealousy and greed and envy toward everybody else. Because I feel like I lack and that I have ailments and problems within, whether I'm conscious of it or not. I still have the awareness underlying that something's wrong. And because of that, I go after everybody else. Or I seek outside of me some type of remedy and never find it. So it perpetuates a terribly neurotic state of behavior. And it doesn't really matter (laughs) how much morality or dogmatic laws and rules we put into place. Unless we cure that ailment, and this is the first parts of the path, the rest of it is much more mystically based in terms of experiencing the phenomenon beyond the five-sense reality. But in the beginning, this cleaning must happen. And if it doesn't happen, if we don't understand it well enough and release our entanglements to it, we're never going to find pure satisfaction and pure happiness or peacefulness in the outside environment. And that's why you hear so many teachers, you know, we having the Christian tradition that the kingdom of heaven is within we have to be able to understand how it's operating inside of us first and then make the changes there. Otherwise, no changes will ever happen outside of us. It's just impossible. Wow. Okay. So I'd like to dig in just a little bit deeper there. What does observing how we empower this energy better do for us as practitioners? Well, when we're conscious of something, when we're actually watching something consciously and we're seeing it played out, there are a lot of things happening, but the most important thing that happens there is knowledge is gained. When I witness the experience of a reaction, and I'm no longer unconscious to the experience of the reaction, I become wiser. 
In other words, I see it functionally, the ignorance of it kind of dissipates. And so I can say, wow, you know, I noticed that to defend the little illusory body, the reaction of anger comes up when so-and-so says this to me. And as soon as I recognize that, it sort of adds to my wisdom and removes some ignorance. And I think to myself, whether or not there was a need to defend the illusory body, in other words, regardless of what the problem was, the actual instance, whether somebody was yelling at me and I needed to defend myself or somebody was trying to harm me physically and I needed to defend myself, or whether it was just complete nonsense, they said something that shouldn't have bothered me at all, it's not that that's important. It's the unconscious reaction to that that's important. And once we start to notice that, again, in the preliminary stages here, we begin to see that, you know, I don't want to be a slave to that process. This is what's generating all of the slavery that happens in the continuum of my life, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. And it's happening on so many different levels that I want to free myself from this and gain back my life. I want to gain back control. And I want to start dictating how I live. I'd like to have a healthy, happy, and peaceful life rather than this crazy neurotic life that's being dragged behind the wild horses of my mind or my emotions, etc. So the first thing we try to do is we get right to the heart of the matter and start working on processes that allow us to start seeing the five aggregates of the mind and noticing the reactions of the emotions and the reactions of speech and action and how they influence in the echo chamber of the outside world so that we can begin to settle down. You know, like the beginning of the path is really just settling back and settling down and being able to witness from the ordinary awareness everything that's happening in the vehicle. Once that's established, then we can move back into the vehicle and operate it in really radical new ways. But that first part is a major portion of the foundation or preliminary side of this. As we move past that, we go into amplifying the emotional energy we call intention energy or deeper, even the pranic energy, the subtle energies of the body. And we also raise or sharpen the will itself, the way that we can focus in on the objects of contemplation so that we can make change and unify and do all sorts of wilder mystical things. But at first, we have to get a basis. There has to be a foundation. And so typically what people do is they jump over the foundation work, whatever that may be in their particular group, order, ashram, their school, and they want to go right into the heavy duty stuff. I want to learn how to alter reality around me and change the way that I perceive. But you can't do anything without that foundation built first. And it could go very quickly, depending on the practitioner's quality and quantity of effort, but that has to be done first. And it's a major importance. Absolutely. And you may have answered this a bit, Daishi, but let's assume for the sake of argument that we're dealing with a practitioner who has begun observing this habit energy, what are some ways that that practitioner, while they're still forming the foundation, can begin making better use of this energy so it doesn't become empowered unconsciously? If we take back some of the loss of vitality that we would normally lose empowering this unconscious chain of mental and emotional experiences or processes, we should, if we're going to use time wisely, begin to empower a new kind of groove, in other words, a new kind of habit energy. And that should be compassion and joy and happiness and peacefulness and all these things. So on one hand, we want to be able to back up and watch the societally influenced habit energy, and then inevitably take control and create our own kinds of habit energy that reinforce the kinds of state we want to live in, the kinds of state we want to be in. Again, this is more of a preliminary kind of foundational process and just sets us up for the grander mystical kind of stuff that we can do. But it's really important that we put into play the way that we want to be and we activate the habit energy of the way we want to be. And really habit energy is the wrong word there because it's conscious, but we still want to instill within ourselves a new program 
So we're going to hack out the old program and install a new one. And the new program is going to be productive and happy, compassionate, loving, peaceful, blissful, etc. That's the new program. And the old program of worry and stress and depression and apathy and etc. That's going to be flushed away. Because typically, we find that in most cases, unfortunately, in the majority of cases of human beings, we're pre-programmed societally and culturally to be fearful and, you know, despise others and have anger and kind of jealousy and greed and envy and all these weird kinds of things that are enforced on us, left brain memory and all sorts of ways of imbalancing the mental process so that it favors the conditions of control. And if we look across the broad scheme of things, we can see that the way that we're influenced societally and culturally really favors a hierarchical controlling process of not really being clear and aware and creative and able to look at things objectively and have reason behind the way that we see the world. Because it's just easier to, listen, I don't want the cows knowing anything. (laughs) You know, not me personally, of course, I wouldn't do this. But if I was a farmer and I want to make money, I want the cows to be thinking that the little booths I put them in are like heaven and producing enough milk and enough meat so that I can continually replace them and get as much out of them as I can. That would be a productive farm in terms of capital gains, right? I don't want the cows to be enlightened. I don't want them to know what's going on and that they actually have power in masses and so on and so forth. So we can see that society and culture has favored control and through the influences have pressed in measures that continue to enhance that control and sharpen that control through the influences that they provide. Once we get wise to it a little bit, we can then say, okay, listen, this is my program. I'm running under it. I want to deactivate and dump it and I'm going to create a new program now of wisdom and knowledge and intelligence that's backed by reason and sound perception, et cetera. And I also want to create a condition where this dream that I'm in or whatever we want to call this very strange experience in the middle of nowhere, you know, I want it to be fun and exciting and I want to be able to enjoy while I'm here and also help others find that as well. So it's a huge paradigm shift. But the key here is that if we don't know how to do that process specifically, we're probably not going to fall back into it. So it's really hard to just kind of guess the way that works. That's the trouble. So it's not that people don't recognize there's a problem because a lot of people that I've talked to over the many, many years I've done this is basically I realize something's wrong. I don't feel right. I don't live right. I'm not feeling at the height of my happiness and joyfulness. And I have to succumb to this radical, weird, strange world I live in. But I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change that. And so this is the point where you've got to have a structured attack. You've got to have a structured plan in place. And if it's not clear and concise, if you're not flowing along and understanding it, failure is bound to happen. In this world, it can be extremely difficult to see the forest for the trees and kind of navigate this path while we're still entangled with mindstream. I mean, you've mentioned this in previous podcasts, and I can personally vouch for how helpful it's been to have guidance and proper instruction to help with progress in eliminating and dealing with, I guess, better forms of habit energy, consciously generated energy. I was wondering if you could just touch briefly on the role of a teacher in eliminating habit energy. Absolutely. So since I'm entangled within myself, for lack of a better word, so the transient self is sort of 
become so sticky to the cognitive ordinary awareness that I'm not sure where I am and where it is. I do know any person that has any kind of awareness at all will notice that some thoughts are not generated by them, whoever them is. So they can look at a thought and say, or, you know, like we always use as the example, you know, there's a song playing in my head, but I didn't request that. I don't know why it's there and it won't stop. So what other power or authority is generating this and why is it in my head, right? So where's this coming from? So we can at least say there's one other authority in the mind somewhere doing whatever it wants to do that doesn't seem to be in favor of or wanting to give me the best possible results. It's not in favor of my accomplishment and my attainment. It's doing whatever it wants to do randomly and either it's trying to coerce me into, you know, projections of the future that may be filled with wild daydreaming or panic or reminiscence of the past that may be involved with the pleasures or pains, but it's definitely trying to guide and push me in different directions that don't seem helpful to becoming more aware. So once we notice this, then we can begin to understand that we're entangled deep enough that I don't know where these are coming from. I'm not sure how they're generated. And I don't know where I am from this external power. And for that, we need an expert person to come in and say, I do understand this. So let's look at this deeper. And also not just understanding where the ordinary awareness begins, because that's just a preliminary, but also how do I activate the energy centers within the body that are going to eventually generate high blissfulness? And the reason why that's important once I cut through the selfing side and I'm able to get stationed in ordinary awareness deep enough, I have to also generate the energy within the body that generates high blissfulness. And the reason this is important is because once I generate the blissfulness of the energy body, in other words, I dictate how the physiological body feels and how it's generating a kind of happy state, a joyful state. If I can take control of that process, emotionally, mentally, and physically, then I no longer feel a lack. I no longer feel the suffering of the day-to-day -day grind that happens to most people. Like, you know, I need to go get a beer this week and I'm just exhausted or I'm angry at somebody. I need to get out of here. I need to go somewhere else. I need to go on vacation so that I can get away from the pains of a body vehicle that I don't understand. So inevitably, I have to understand how can I activate the energies within me to generate joyful blissfulness. So there are two things we should take from this. One is clarity of mind, clarity of perception. That's one side. In other words, I need balanced peacefulness within the mental, emotional body. And the other side is I need access to the energies of the body so that I can make them radically blissful, so that I'm satiating the desire and I'm remaining wise and peaceful and clear and have that kind of clear light radiant awareness. Those two things come together. In the Tibetan tradition, it's called Yab Yam. It's the marriage. We always see the Tonka where you see a female and a male deity sitting on each other, or usually Buddha or something like that with a female consort. And it's typically tied to sex, but Really, it means these two things marry each other. The blissfulness of the body is heightened and sustained and joins the wisdom of the clear light mind. And so to get these two things together, that requires somebody who understands at a very deep level how the process drives toward each other. And that is really where mysticism begins because you can have the outer body experiences and the experiences in the upper realms, experiences in the nadis and the channels of the body that generate great blissfulness. And those things need to be expressed and taught through an expert. You can't just I mean, there's dangers if you try to do it yourself. There can be congestion of pranic can cause, you know, in the East, they used to call it psychic or pranic illness. So you got to make sure that you have somebody along with you that has been through it. Otherwise, you know, again, it's like trying to put together a 747 when you don't even know how to fly a plane. You're just sort of reading a manual or trying to read others' ideas about it. To get that plane off the ground and put together is probably not happening within your lifetime. So 
having a guide is going to save you lifetimes, if not decades of wasted efforts and potential illness and all of those things. So as I always end these little talks, I say, you know, if you don't find it through us, find it somewhere, but get the expert advice from some source that can help you navigate through what is a very sticky and tangled situation that you begin from. Wow. Thank you so much, Daishi. It uh, feels like you hit on the entire crux of the path there at the end. And as much as I'd love to uh, continue and go into it with you in great detail, like you mentioned, we don't have the hours in the day, but there will be future podcasts. And Daishi, I understand there's a new website up and running soon. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about that? Each time we do these, I keep mentioning the website and I'm really excited for the people who are anxious to get involved with it. And, and I just feel awful that we don't have an actual date yet, but we look like we're going to be able to put one out this week. So hang in there for the launching of drewkama.com. It will have a step-by-step, week-by-week handholding of all the process from start to finish, along with a whole host of tutors that are there to help and guide you through the process from the comfort of your own home. I'm really happy to be a part of it, although it's not my brainchild really at this point. I'm uh, sort of working with a group of wonderful people that really have put it together, but it's going to be a way for somebody who just is at home and you know has a normal life and says, I'd like to take this journey, but I'm not able to find the kind of teaching or teacher or group that will be able to assist me in a true, authentic mystery path. And so this will do that week by week. And you'll have the opportunity to get in touch with me and other tutors and be part of the forum there in the group community there. But more importantly, you'll be able to go at your own pace with week by week instruction. So it'll walk you through very clearly video instruction on what to do, how to sit, how to act in your waking state, how to move from stage to stage. And then you take it as fast or as slow as you want to. And I think it's something really unique and perfect for our time because the generation today is really good at being able to understand social connection through a distance and also learn from a distance. Whereas I don't think my generation, I'm older, of course, but my generation could have really grasped that, you know, and I think so more so today, the newer generation can definitely understand that process and pull it off. So I'm excited. But as far as dates go, I think we'll announce it this week at some point. And I'm happy that everybody's been really patient with us as we put it together. We want it to be perfect. That's exciting news. I know we've all been waiting very patiently for it, and it definitely will be worth it. Just the platform where we can come and constantly get advice and guidance and support on the path with authentic practices that deliver real results. So It's, it's important, and, and you know what you just said was a key thing. The support that's provided by the group members is key because there's a lot of people, as you know, in that group that are highly experienced whether they're from the Eastern philosophies or the Western philosophies, they have decades of experience behind them. So it's not just that you're getting the week by week teachings, but you're getting a whole host of really talented and advanced practitioners that are willing to help and go way out of their way. And as you know, our family there is really close and really tight. So you're getting a lot there. And I think it's a great opportunity for somebody who just says, hey, I want to learn the path, but I can't go anywhere to learn it. I got to learn it from home. I've got a life. I've got to either, you know, school or family or whatever it is. Can you help me? This is the way they can get it, you know, in the privacy of their home with the inclusion of really radically intense practitioners who have been around the block. So, you know, I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm happy to be able to be around all of the practitioners that are in our group currently that have been around for years and are doing so well and having them be able to step up and help. And then eventually 
as the new people continually grow, they can turn around and help. And it sort of feeds and seeds itself. You know, students that continue to move up the ranks can help the ones underneath them. And eventually it just becomes a self-serving kind of environment where everybody's helping each other grow. And there doesn't need to be one teacher, two teachers, or three teachers. It can be the whole group teaching itself, the basis of the path from different perspectives and angles. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So that's inevitably the goal. It's coming soon. Hang in there. I appreciate your patience. We'll have an announcement shortly about it. Thanks so much for that, Daishi. And I know we're going to say goodbye for today. So thank you so much for joining us today, Daishi. It's been uh, lovely co-hosting the show with you. So I appreciate you being here and I really appreciate you coming back and doing it again soon if you have the time. So thank you very much. Absolutely. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please send us an email at radio at drukama.com. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time.